Hello and welcome to the MVR podcast, season two, episode 15. My name is Rachel Elmer. And I'm Peter Jacob. And today we're talking about diagnosis and aggression. How do we get there? This title, this topic. Well, Rachel, you were telling me about um, a question that a colleague raised in supervision with you. Mm. And I'm not sure I understood the question clearly. Uh, It seemed to be, can you work with NVR or what do you do if you're working with NVR when a child or young person who has a, I think in this case it was a disability with cerebral palsy, shows aggression. And it seemed to me from from what you were saying that this colleague uh, may have felt or the parent may have felt, I don't know, that the aggression is sort of baked into the disability, that it's almost an inevitable consequence of that. Did I understand that correctly? It did. Yeah, that was exactly what came up in a, a supervision session. Yeah. Yesterday, in fact. Yeah. So this is something you said you you come across it uh, quite frequently, and I I, I come across it quite frequently. Um, I'm just wondering what your experience is with that. Ultimately, it's a belief, isn't it, that aggression in a particular person who... uh, who has a disability or has been diagnosed with a particular disorder or illness is almost inevitable. Is, is that the belief that we're looking at? Yeah, not from everybody, of course, you know, just generally speaking in training sessions and supervisions that, that, that it comes up. It's a frequent curiosity, a question from MVR practitioners. You know, how do they, how do they work with a parent who's when a child their you know, their child has, a disability or a diagnosis um, where violence and aggression, uh, physical and verbal aggression is present. Mm. I'm just thinking of ordinary responses. Uh, I mean, in, in the example of someone with cerebral palsy, you, you mentioned how the, the, the colleague related that the child gets aggressive when when she struggles to do something practical yeah. when she struggles with her uh, with her coordination um, I've got some thoughts about that but can you tell me more about what the colleague said about that so the colleague was talking about a family that she was wor- working with or did work with where the parent's child a, a young boy, oh, a boy was very boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. was very violent uh would smash up the house um cause a lot of distress spitting spitting in the mother's face uh lots of physical aggression um and the mother's despair that the colleague described the mother's despair about the you know the child's diagnosis who, who had cerebral palsy and almost accepting that violence came with that diagnosis that violence came with that disability 
And so therefore there's nothing I can do because he has he has cerebral palsy. So the help the parents perceived helplessness mm. didn't seem to be so much just the result of what the child actually did as much as the result of the belief that um, the child's aggressive behavior was an immediate result of having cerebral palsy. Possibly. It was a very brief conversation okay. we talked about, but my general sense, I could be wrong. I, I'm just wondering, and, and perhaps in this case, uh, we don't know enough, whether the parents' belief um, in the inevitability of aggression um, comes from the child sometimes being triggered off or responding mm -hmm. to uh, a difficulty in their in their motor coordination, for example. Just simply there's something that they struggle to do with their hands or with their feet or with their legs that might lead to frustration, which might lead to angry aggression at times. Mm -hmm. is, is that part of the yeah. picture? That is the picture, yeah. Okay. Yet, I wonder in this case whether all acts of aggression, like smashing the house, like spitting in the mother's face, are a direct result of struggling to um, struggling to pick something up in a certain way or or move in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Possibly. We we don't know. No, we don't know. I didn't talk in great detail. It was it was a group supervision, but that was the general sense. Was that how how can this practitioner support the mother using MVR as an intervention when the mother has this perceived understanding? Okay, so it was the practitioner sharing the mother's belief. I, I'm mm. wondering what about the colleague's belief herself or himself so she went on to say you know there was a family member who she witnessed having the same condition and witnessed the frustration from that family member um which gave her a kind of understanding as well that that with this condition with this disability um frustrations and anger uh, uh, so could be part of mm. the condition I'm wondering whether we could bring in some, some differentiation here. Mm. I'm thinking of, yes, there is uh, the fact that frustration can lead to aggression. I'm remembering uh, sort of behavioral psychology 101 many years ago learning about Dollard and Miller's uh, frustration-aggression hypothesis, that frustration leads to aggression. Um, and that is sometimes the case. I mean, we all experience that when we try to open a milk carton that's supposedly easy to open, and it won't open, and we don't have scissors to hand, and we get sort of irritated. And then if I imagine having a disability this could be magnified by 10, 20, 100 times. So there's a real challenge, I guess, 
that is associated with a disability or maybe with a certain disorder or condition, um, a real challenge to deal with frustration in a way other than getting angrily aggressive. Mm. That's a challenge. Maybe if we think of it as a challenge, it takes on a different quality than if we think of it as part of the condition. Mm. I'm also thinking of the way uh, angry aggression can be habit-forming. So perhaps not every time a child spits in his mother's face, this is a result of an immediate frustration, which is which comes from, you know, something he struggles with due to his disability. But perhaps angry aggression has become a habit, a habit of the brain, actually, because we know that certain anger pathways in the brain become more firmly established. Mm -hmm. when one practices angry aggression more often. And I'm just wondering what then happens when each time he does act with angry aggression, the mother or the father believes, oh, this is inevitable because he has the disability. Mm. What that does. So these are just thoughts that I have relating to that. I, 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 I don't know whether those thoughts are, are useful in this context. Yeah, I do. You know, I think this, it comes up in training, you know, how, how do you use this approach when you're working with a family whose young person's diagnosed with ASD? Um, because alongside ASD, is violence, and that's inevitable because the child has a, you know, sometimes that's the theme. Yeah in some people yeah. that the, 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 you know that belief that with that yeah. with that diagnosis comes violence and all that we can say is that in certain instances um, violence or other forms of aggression is is associated with it possibly mm. it's possibly associated with with the disability or with the condition, but um, it is not inevitable because we can support someone to meet the challenge of dealing with their frustration in other ways. Mm. And then dealing with frustration in other ways and developing frustration tolerance as a result of that um, becomes an ability, mm. or in the um, in the words of Ben Furman, it becomes a set of skills. Mm. And rather than I think retreating to a position of despair and helplessness as a parent, you know, I, I can't do anything because he's got terrible palsy, because he's she's got an autism spectrum condition, because he's got ADHD. And aggression comes with that. Mm -hmm. I can think of okay, what what are the skill sets that my child needs to develop mm. 
in order to be able to cope better with frustration or rather to develop better frustration tolerance. What, what skill sets can I support them to develop? And what is a prerequisite for that? And I think a prerequisite for the parent to be able to help the young person develop those skill sets is not to accept the aggression itself. Mm. Yeah. To give oneself permission to say no to aggression. Yeah. You know, we, we can't accept that. Not only because it's bad for us, but also because it's bad for your siblings, because it's bad for the child that you punch in the playground, because it's bad for you. Because it's bad for you, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. When you spit in my face, it undermines me. I become a disaffected parent. Mm. And I cannot parent you as well as I would like to. When I'm a disaffected parent, when I'm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I am not made of attachment steel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Attachment iron. The attachment iron, yeah. Mm. Go on, I think that's so helpful. What, what, what do you think is helpful about that? Just uh, in terms of, the way you've described it, um, I'm much more simplistic in my response to, to the practitioner yesterday in the supervision, but it's really helpful to layer it in that way. Very um, helpful for practitioners to listen to and if parents are listening to this, that they can process that information and reflect on separating the violence from from the disability um and it's the violence that the parent is resisting mm. not not the disability or the child the needs of the child the unmet needs of the child can still be absolutely met um and the the child focused part of mvr is, is you know represents that but the parent or caregiver can resist the, vi the violence the yeah. harm the harmful yeah. behavior I'm just imagining this child growing up. Mm. I'm, I don't know whether this boy is heterosexual or, or gay or, or gender neutral or, or whatever, but let's imagine this boy growing up and um, having a partner. Let's imagine this boy has maintained his habit of becoming aggressive. Mm. What will that do to his partner, his girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever? What will it do to the relationship? What will it do to him when the relationship breaks down? What will it do to the other person if the relationship wouldn't break down and, for example, domestic violence and domestic abuse uh, become perpetuated. Yeah. Um, and is not, isn't there 
Heimer often speaks of duty. You know, it's sort of an old-fashioned word. I, I like to think of responsibility. Is there not a responsibility that the parent has for herself, towards herself, not to be treated badly, not to be spat at? I can't think of many more humiliating things than to be spat at. Is there not a responsibility of the parent for the child who does the spitting because of the grave and serious consequences that could arise in the child's life eventually if he did not become able to develop greater frustration tolerance and, and I don't necessarily think it's one and the same thing always, overcome the habit of angry aggression. Yeah. What will arise? So we can challenge that belief that a, a condition, a cerebral palsy of autism spectrum disorder, of ADHD, is almost like a sentence, a life sentence that you are condemned throughout your life to act with angry aggression. I think that is worth, it's worth challenging that notion. I think there's sometimes as well in my experience the, the belief of some caregivers when they when their child has a diagnosis of fetal alcohol syndrome disorder, that, again, I've witnessed and heard parents and caregivers describe that that condition of their child means that they are unable to, um, to, to learn that skill set of understanding, you know, the deep-seated belief that because of the condition, the child can't learn. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, forest fires. Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, I have a home in Arizona in the United States Mm. where it's very arid and summers are very hot and forest fires easily break out. I'm just thinking of a piece of glass from a broken bottle, um, which focuses the sunlight on a bit of dry grass, which starts burning and causes a tremendous forest fire. And as it burns, we can no longer hold the piece of glass accountable. Well, that's the wrong expression. We can no longer blame the expansion of the fire on the piece of glass because all the piece of glass did was start that initial burn. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, that's like a, that was, I don't know, less than a quarter of an inch or a tenth of an inch. Because now the burn sucks in its own oxygen Mm. and then Mm. burns more ferociously and it sucks in even more oxygen. So it becomes a self-perpetuating system. 
um, a, a kind of feedback system, actually. It's called in, in cybernetics, a, a positive feedback system. And we, we have that with this kind of angry aggression. So when we have a, a situation where maybe in one family a child has cerebral palsy or an autism spectrum disorder or a, an adopted child, maybe fetal alcohol syndrome, and shows a lot of aggression. And in another family, there's a child with the same disorder or condition that doesn't show a lot of aggression. It doesn't mean that the parents in the first family are poor parents or have done anything wrong. No. It simply means, in the words of Steve DeShazer, they've had damn bad luck. The aggression started. Maybe that child has a temperament that lends itself a little more to getting angry. We yeah. Different people have different temperaments. But the problem does not lie in the parent or in the parenting, nor does the problem lie in the disability of the child. The problem lies in that self-perpetuating system where mm -hmm. fire sucks in more oxygen. Yeah. And it becomes a runaway fire. So what do we do with a runaway fire? We put it out. Mm. That's all. It's a good analogy, I think. Yeah. Or we can just look at it and keep asking why it's raging and burning so hard. <laughs> yeah. Why is this fire raging? Who started it? Who started it? Never mind bringing out the fire trucks. Yeah, just like watch it. Dropping water on it or whatever else, you know. Yeah, and we put the fire out and, and obviously that is about helping the parents develop their skill set of, of, of techniques and, and responses to the aggression and violence from their young person. Yes. Who in turn develops a skill set in to manage their yeah. frustrations. So maybe when the parents are still you know, acting on the belief that because of the con child's condition, angry aggression is inevitable. Maybe that presents an obstacle to developing those skills that they, the parents, need that skill set. Mm. But once they can move beyond that belief, they can become more open to developing that skill set. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, every family very unique. Mm. For some families, this might take not very long at all. Uh, for other families, it could be a laboured, you know, very laboured. It could be very time-consuming. It could take a real while for, for the approach to embed. But, yeah, there are solutions. And, and, again, the length of time it takes for things to change is not a function of the child's condition, nor is it a function of the parent's ability to parent, of their kindness, of their connection with the child, and so forth. Um, we can't predict how long it'll take. 
I, I think what we can predict is that when parents develop the skill set to resist the aggression, yeah, to raise their presence, and then go on to support the child in developing their skill sets to deal with life's frustrations, which are much greater. Mm. They have a disability or certain conditions. Then things are probably going to get a lot better over mm. time. Mm. And I think, I think for me listening to that and if I were a parent that was experiencing helplessness in my relationship with my child and the violence that I might be living with and a diagnosis of my young person if I listened to this it would fill me with some hope mm. and I think hope hope is a wonderful emotion to cling on to to have some hope that things will improve over time. Okay. What do you know? Um, I, I'd be really happy if, if people found it useful, if some of our colleagues who listen to this podcast um, were to uh, invite parents of children with a diagnosed condition um, to, to listen to this episode if they think that the parents they work with may find it useful mm. or interesting. Yeah. Or even unhelpful. And then they can let us know. <laughs> yeah. They can let us know if they think it's unhelpful, but I would hope they find it helpful. I would hope they find it helpful. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that's us today. It's a nice mm. short one. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening and goodbye from me. Thank you.